0: Well hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of the Max Danielson show. I'm your host Max Danielson and joining me today we have not only a former Bishop Lynch friar but now current Henderson State uh, ready baseball player that is Mr. Daniel Colisanto. Daniel welcome onto the show my man.
1: How are you doing Max? Thanks for having me today.
0: Absolutely man I'm doing I'm doing better you know this is the second time we had to record this because the software decided (laughs) not to record me so Thank you for bearing with me during these technical difficulties. This whole quarantine stuff has been kind of tricky with the whole new setup, but hey, you know, at least we're getting it done, and this time it is actually recording the audio, (laughs) Um, so thankful for that, but um, Daniel, it's tradition before we even start the show, first of all, like I said, you're a Henderson State baseball player, but tell us a little bit more about who you are, uh, where you come from, and then also kind of. Uh, what you're studying and majoring in, and then uh, what your favorite sports
1: teams are. So my name is Daniel Colasano. I'm from Garland, Texas. Uh, I actually went to high school at Bishop Lynch High School. Yeah, or you came in. You were the class after me. I yeah, think. class after you. But um, all that. Went to Bishop Lynch from St. Joseph Catholic School. Uh, as you said, I play baseball at Henderson State now. And my favorite sports teams for baseball is the New York Yankees. Diehard fan, always will be. Uh, Not a
0: big Jeter fan?
1: Big Jeter fan, man. I like Glaber. Tw- I like all the kids now, though. Glaber's, when I was, Glaber's pretty good. I like him a lot. When I was growing up, I had a Jeter. So I started liking baseball. I fell in love with baseball in like '03. So. Uh, Jeter, I saw a Rod come up. I've seen both sides. A Rod has both sides, you know. Like the, yeah. I don't. He had this swagger about him where I felt like he thought he was too much. And then when he got popped for the PEDs the second time or whatever, and he got suspended, he changed his whole. I think he changed his whole life around. So he's a mm-hmm. he's a fun person to watch now. Uh, football for the NFL, I like the Cleveland Browns. Um, for the NBA. Told you this yesterday. I'm a LeBron James fan, man. Wherever he goes, I'm a fan of. When hey, he I respect
0: that. LeBron is one hell of a player. To say at least, now, probably the greatest in our generation.
1: I'll say this: when I was in middle school, I rooted against, or I rooted for the Ma, or for the Heat against the Mavs during that Finals. Yeah, and the amount of uh, smack talk I would say was unbelievable. That's what I learned. And then, of course, Dirk with the left-handed layup. Yeah. Dirk with the oh man, he went. He went off that series and he really did. Awesome he series. really did. And then NHL Big Stars fan. I think yeah, Tyler Sagan, Mike Madonno, Jamie Ben, you name it. Yeah. And I hope I, mean, I want to see them win a Stanley Cup soon.
0: Yeah, I mean Mike Madonna's kinda like the big idol who I like whenever I got into the stars, that was his era and then the Brett and Morrow era was coming up. So oh, I forgot that's about kinda Brett just tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny to look back at all those times and just think of all the guys that came through. Uh, But we'll start off this interview here just talking about um, your journey through Bishop Lynch High School and where that got you to where you are now. Uh, Tell me a little bit about um, your baseball career there and just academic-wise how everything was there.
1: So uh, I came from St. Joseph Catholic School in Richardson, Texas. Shout out to the Jaguars there. Um, Now... I came, I was going to go to a public high school, actually, literally, man, it's right across the, like, I'm separated by Georgia Bush, and so Naaman Forest High School here in Garland's right there, and that's where I would have gone, but as I got as I got older, really in the eighth grade, when we started applying for colleges, I realized, man, I really want to go to Bishop Lynch instead, I just... Damn,
0: you were applying for colleges and...
1: <laughs> I felt, <laughs> kind of felt like it in a way, I wasn't going... It really going, does, I I though, it
0: does feel like it.
1: Like I mean, honestly, the high school go process was
0: harder than the college process, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, because you had to take this. It's kind of like you know, it's a preparatory college. That's the one thing I get out of Bishop Lynch, and the way they prepare you for college, they do. I mean, personally, I was in all I was in a lot of essentials classes my uh, my four years there, and wow, like I learned. Like Bishop Lynch knew, like, hey, I I'm kind of a slower learner. Let's put you in these classes. Let's put you with these teachers. and un- like, I think the school does an unbelievable job. They really do. But uh, like you said, I play college baseball now. So my journey through high school, though, my freshman year, team was really good. Young kids. like We have all these guys coming in. We're like, like any freshman class, like, dang, we're going to be on the varsity one day. We're going to be this good. But uh, I do remember playing for Coach Barton, Tommy Barton, and – I had a good year at first. Like, I felt really good at the plate. Like, we, I mean, we weren't winning, but like, we were close. You know what I mean? Like, we were get. like, I mean, it's only a freshman team. So, you know, you're, it's kind of a development, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. It really and, is. Cause like JV and freshman, how I look at it is like the farm system. You're trying to exactly develop those guys to get to your varsity team one day.
1: And I'll never forget, man, those early morning practice. My freshman year, I remember all those early morning practices. You're in the, Oh, yeah you get, the, so you get the extended bad. time, you get yeah. the extended time. and so I failed freshman or I failed Spanish in the third quarter that year. I had a 69.4 with Mrs. Osborne and I got a story for you real quick. Um, I'll never forget Coach Nesher. He made me go hit underneath the football bleachers by myself <laughs> for the whole practice during this time. And then everyone's, he, you know, he can't throw BP, so he's flipping. Oh, yeah. he's doing front flips. And then he calls me up right before, and he was like, hey, I mean, we just had a good heart-to-heart talk, and that's when I really realized, like, hey, academics are important, especially if you want to play at the next level. Like, I mean, you can attest to this. Our coaches are on us all the time. Absolutely. So, academics. And then sophomore year, I played for one of my favorite coaches on JV Black with Coach uh, Eddie Cuellar. Unbelievable guy. That man is the goat. That man is the goat. He's, ah, man. He was just, he was a crazy guy. I'll say that. But playing for him really taught you a lot about the game of baseball.
0: Yeah, he brings out the perfect amount of seriousness while at the same time having a perfect amount of balance of being funny at the same time. Like he'll be, he'll be serious when it comes, but he's always a lighthearted guy. And that's why I absolutely
1: loved him. He was unbelievable. And then my junior and senior year, I played for uh, Coach Nestor and Coach Anderley And my junior year, we went to the Final Four in state. We actually faced, um, we faced a kid in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization now, Key Brian Hayes. And his dad is Charlie Hayes, who played for the Yankees Dang. in the past. So we faced this kid in the semis. And that year, like, everyone kind of counted to this out. But really just – we went into Prestonwood. We talked about this. Prestonwood and all – I mean, our our district at the time was – it was a tough district when you think and about it. And it still is got, a tough
0: district, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's been a lot of changes now I've seen, I think. But, like, you got us, John Paul, Argyle Liberty. Uh, Nolan. Liberty. Yeah, Nolan. And then you can add a TCA in there somewhere. Like, I mean – it's a tough schedule, but that was our thing, man, was we were winning these really close games and we swept like all these like good teams. And then we split with Prestonwood and Argyle and that was kind of like a, Hey, we can do this. Like we just got to put our head to the note. We got to go. Like we do our game. Who knows what can happen? And sure enough, I remember going, I believe first round of playoffs was actually at Bishop Lynch that year. We got, I've been, I was able to, I was able to play in two playoff games at BL. It was unbelievable. Just your student body comes. It was crazy, dude. They came out. Like, everyone's cheering for y'all. Like, I don't know. We, I remember we won one game, like, against, I think it was an El Paso team. We beat them, like, 25 to something or 20 to (laughs) something. But there's no run rule in the playoffs. Yeah. So, I ain't kidding. I'm not kidding you, man. We're beating them this bad. One of their kids left, like. He was playing third. What? He was playing third. And they were getting beat so bad that this kid told his mom, let's go back to El Paso. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like and it was I unbelievable. Attest,
0: I can attest to that. I mean, those like you bring those Houston like those teams that are down south and out west and they get absolutely demolished by the teams in the big cities. I mean, I remember we That's played why it, Saint Joseph from Brownsville and absolutely annihilated them my junior year so i mean i know how that feels man
1: there's some good teams though like and then like the next week when we go to the semis we play uh oh i wish i knew the name of the team now i honestly forgot concordia lutheran i got beat by i got weird thing about my bishop lynch career was i got beat by the most like i felt like random teams like as a team we got beat by like the new teams everyone was like concordia lutheran like they were I think they're good now, but at the time, like they weren't in the playoffs at all. And then my senior year, we got knocked out by Beaumont Kelly. Oh Lord, Beaumont <laughs> and they're Kelly! An unbelie- that's an unbelievable team. I'll say that. At the they time.
0: they really do have an amazing program there.
1: It was tough because um, after we after we made the final four, we got beat. And then the next year, we made it to the second round of or second round of playoffs, and we're playing Beaumont Kelly in a best of three series. And it was kinda of tough. The first pitch of the game got whacked over the yard for them by their kid going to rice and I was like, I guess that kid is good. So and... I guess he's kinda of good. <laughs> and then yeah, that's how it started, you know, you just get the lead off bomb. I'll never forget my uh, last Bishop Lynch at bat too. I uh, I was crying in the box. I crying on deck circle, Tommy came up to me and goes, Hey man, you're okay? Find a barrel here or something. I couldn't think anything of it. I remember lacing a ball over the right fielder's head. I think it's the hardest ball I've ever hit. Mm-hmm. Laced it over his head and got absolutely hosed at second base by about 15 feet from my last high school of bat, And I was okay with it. I just let in. Hey, it's still, it's still a hit. It's still a hit. It's still a hit. But yeah, that's my Bishop Lynch career, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, so before we get into your Henderson State career and kind of that journey to it, uh, let's talk about something that was also big in the Bishop Bunch community, that being Buddy League. But Bo- that's kind of how I got to meet you through it. Um, tell us kind of about your experience about Buddy League and kind of what that taught you, because um, we were talking about yesterday how like it really got you to relove the game again.
1: Right. No. So for those that don't know, Buddy League is a uh, it's a le- it's a baseball. It's kind of like a Special Olympics. I would say like perfect way to describe it, but. They their focus is baseball. Miss Heather, Miss Heather Miller, who's there now. One of the the nicest
0: ladies I've ever met
1: in my life. Unbelievable lady, and we talked about this yesterday. But her main focus is make these kids make it their best day they've ever had. Mm -hmm. And the the first time I went, um, first time I went, I missed the week before, but all my high school teammates went. I remember, and so then. I went the next week, and I met a kid, and he's in the second oldest group now. His name's Lorenzo. And when I tell you, like, when you see these kids playing the game of baseball, and baseball's hard, any sport is hard, but um, when you see these kids playing the same game you're playing, in that point of your life, it was junior, senior year of high school, going to college, baseball becomes harder, you kind of, You forget it's just a game. You make it like a job, even though you're still a kid. Like, you're still a kid playing the game. So, really what I... I fell in love with baseball again, because you see these kids, different disabilities, whatever, and they go out there and just have a blast. Like, they're trying to hit... I mean, they're hitting the ball, they're running around, fielding the ball, throwing the ball. It's baseball. But... They're doing it with a smile on their face every time. Like even if they miss the ball, even if they swing and miss, oh well, I'm in another one. And that's one thing I love about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely. I remember the first time I went. Like I was only planning to stay like two hours just to get my service, and my friends were leaving. And I'm like, you know what? I'm 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 just gonna stay and stayed the whole six hours. I mean, for those of you in the Garland, Dallas area, I highly recommend going to it and just experiencing it because. You know, I going into it I felt like it was just going to be another service site, but it doesn't feel like service. It just feels like no. it just feels like you're having fun and just and especially if you are like us or even just enjoy the game of baseball, it really, you know, takes to your heart to see like you said these kids just no matter what happens, they have a smile on their face. Why? Because that is the best day of their life and that's the testament that Miss Heather brings every single time and she tells the volunteers every single game make this the best day of your life or make it the best day of their life because tomorrow's not guaranteed. And exactly. And I think that is the best testament to that.
1: Um, now, but- I got a story real quick about Buddy League, too. Yeah, go for it. About our Bishop Lynch team. So, man, I want to say my junior year, senior year, one of those two, it's a Saturday, right? Buddy League's on Saturday. Mm-hmm. We, we want to do our service. We have to do our service hours, I think. Like, we need to do service hours. Like, fourth quarter just opened up. And I remember all of us going up to Coach Nestor and saying, Coach Nestor, we need to do service hours. And I and we're about to, like, we're about, I think we're about to play a game later, too. And I, I don't remember. We're about to have a big practice before playoffs. And Nestor's like, I don't know. No, we can't do that or something like that. So we convinced Nestor to have a... I think like a seven thirty, eight o'clock AM practice something before Buddy League. I'm not joking you, man. We had a full squad of cars leaving Bishop Lynch High School going straight to Buddy League. It was the funniest thing I've That's ever like I awesome. mean you know how high school kids are. They're gonna be acting funny and it was hilarious, man. It was just we had a great time out there as a team. We were really close as a team, I'll say that.
0: Absolutely, man. Um, let's go on now to kind of your journey to Henderson State and kind of how that got you from Bishop Lynch to Henderson State, and then ultimately um, the day you were given a athletic scholarship. Talk to me about that, um, kind of how the journey was, the work you put into that, and then finally the day when you finally got athletic scholarship for there.
1: So I wrote many emails to coach college coaches trying to just get a spot which I and, highly uh, recommend
0: for anyone trying to get recruited to colleges.
1: Yes, and then field level as well. I was on that. And I didn't really know a lot about field level. My dad highly was recommend. running the field. My dad was running the field level, so I had no I, I had no idea really what was going on. I didn't understand the recruiting process. I wish I, I wish I would I knew now. I would go back and like if I could like know all that information, but I wouldn't change any of it for the world. So I actually wrote I wrote some emails to two coaches in our conference. I wrote one to Arkansas Tech's coach, and I wrote one to Southeastern Oklahoma State's coach. Didn't know they I'd play them eventually. None of the coaches, none of those coaches wrote me back. So I emailed Coach Hooten because field on field level, Henderson State started following me, and I had no idea. Where Henderson State was, who Henderson State is, that year that I emailed them, they actually went to the World Series. They placed like fourth in the nation or something crazy. wasn't expected. So the whole time, I was think I kind of compared that team to the time I was at Bishop Lynch, like how we were underdogs, and then really just that's how you start building everything going up. So I wrote him an email and. He tells me honestly. He says we don't have any scholarship money, but I'll offer you a preferred walk-on. And luckily, Coach Anderley, who was the assistant coach for us at BL, he um, he knew Coach ne- uh, Ho- Hooten from playing back in the day. They played together, so it really helped me having an Anderele's word there. And what's really cool now is Josh plays on arts, like is on the Reddies now, and having Josh, like Josh Aguilar, he's from the class of 2016 at Bishop Lynch, but. Man, it's pretty cool to be able to play with your high school teammate once again. Yeah, but back on track. Um, so my sophomore year, or my red shirt freshman year, I, uh, I gained thirty pounds by eating at the concession stands nonstop. I'm telling you, man, grilled chicken sandwiches, uh, the Snickers, the little, all those little Sour Patch, whatever. Had a blast. Eating my, eating my heart out because the coach told me I had to get bigger. And so I did. So then coach tells me, hey, I need you to lose 30, 30 pounds. I need you to be 175. And I'm 202 of straight fat now. And I was like, okay, like, how is this going to work, man? Like, I don't know what we're going to do. And then it was unbelievable that summer. Like, I don't think I've ever worked that hard ever in my life. And it really taught me how to – like a little work ethic – And I just remember waking up early, going to work out. Uh, Later that day, I was hit the pool, swimming 10 laps, just trying to lose weight every time. I remember the first couple weeks, step on that scale, and it's like, wow, I'm not losing any weight. So that's when I learned something wasn't working, like something I was doing wasn't working. And I I dropped my calories down. My mom was tracking calories for me. And I've never been on top of that so much in my life. And that's really helped me. Today now, so my red shirt freshman year, uh, we don't. I don't play. I didn't play that year. I would just got a jersey, which was still really cool because that's when I I earned a jersey. It's a little story in itself, but had a good fall. I was one of four people fighting for the final jersey spot, and I got lucky. I had a good. I was finding barrels left and right, and the coach gave it to me. And the, I've never seen the team get that excited. So then. I didn't play that year, but I was able to learn a lot about the game. Like, that was the one thing my freshman year. I learned so much about college baseball. I learned how fast it goes. Like, this game is, as you get older, it speeds up. And then you've got to find that way to slow it down in yourself. So, I learned a lot that year. And then my red shirt sophomore year, I had a terrible fall. To be honest, that year, but this is before I started playing. I had a terrible fall. I was not seeing the ball. Everything was just off. And then get to January, man. Like we always have this saying, if you because like we, that, it's like spring training kind of before all oh, you play those games in January, February, and you're on. Well, always, there's always a saying like someone gets hot in January. It's weird, man. Someone will find barrels left and right in the month of January because. They put in the work in December, and now they're seeing the ball well. So I go in there, and I remember facing – his name is Daniel Sprinkle. He went to Auburn, and I remember just lacing a ball over the shortstop's head, and I was like, hey, now, like, okay, like, my, my swing feels good. Let's keep building on it. And You know, I don't try to get too high. I don't try to get too low. Like, we'll just stay in the middle. And sure enough, man, I took off from there, but I didn't play the first two months of the year. And I kind of just kept my head down. Or I didn't really keep my head down. I just kept seeing a good teammate, just kind of grinding every day, trying to get better. And finally, uh, we were losing 20 to nothing or something insane. Uh, Southern Arkansas, who's a really, really good team in Arkansas. And I remember coach who tells me to swing a bat, and I didn't think anything of it, man. I didn't think I was actually going to go in. But, you know, you keep that mindset, always be ready. Like, you're always ready for your opportunity. And sure enough, I got my I got my chance. I grounded out 0-4-3. I grounded out to the second baseman on a one-hop. He, I hit it hard. I remember that was the positive. I came in, like, everyone just picking you up. And I was like, I was like that's college baseball right there. And then I continued to the next week, or that week and we played Oklahoma Baptist, I didn't play. So I was like, okay, like, oh, well. But that Tuesday we play against Watchtop Baptist, who, for those who don't know, where I go to school, we live in two colleges and they're literally separated by the road to get to Caddo Valley, Arkansas. Like you're that's the like football team will literally walk to Watchtop Baptist to play them. Or they will walk to us to play us. It's pretty cool to see. And I remember my first at bat, I went up there. Actually the kid that one of my best friends on the team now—they played against each other in high school, or they played with each other in high school—and he was like, "Yeah, this kid just throws a fastball or something." And I was like, "Okay, well, I figured out my college approach was going to be look for a fastball." And I was just look hunting for a fastball first pitch. Finally got my first hit up the middle to center field, and then that felt like I was on top of the world. But you want me to go on next?
0: Uh, yeah. Um. Well, then of course we were talking about like the second part of the question is um the day you got athletic scholarship um just talk to me about how that made you feel because i can testify that um you know when you get your first hit you really do feel like you're on top of the world because you've you know you get that first uh that first jitters out of the way you're like okay now that that's done now we can play baseball finally um but i mean to just work so hard to get to that point i mean I would imagine it feels like you're on cloud nine when you get that athletic scholarship.
1: No, 100% because, uh, I watched a movie earlier in December of that year, actually December before that, before the year I started playing, it was the greater movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's the one with Brian Burlsworth and he's a walk on basically learns that he goes, it's kind of, it was ironically, man, it was kind of like the same like me, except he was a football player And like the coach told him he needed to get bigger, so he got fat. And I've never seen, like, it really taught me, like, okay, just because you're a walk on, like, you can still work as hard. You never know what can really, really happen. So I kind of just watched that movie, changed my whole mindset, really, like, of, hey, you need to work even harder than before. So, people that don't know, my fresh, my red shirt year when I didn't play, I didn't take BP either. So, I was just kind of just shagging balls, fielding ground balls. But I would go hit after every game, all the night games, no matter what, go hit just one bucket of baseballs off a tee. And that really, I mean, that helped with my development. I had a good redshirt sophomore year at the plate and in the field. And I remember getting to the locker room for the first team meeting. And it was really weird because I think all the team meetings are really weird because. Um, you're meeting all these new guys. Which, I mean, this is part of it, but you meet the new guys, and then you see your old friends. You see your old teammates too, and everything like worlds collide. Mm. But I always feel like it's so ex- it's extra quiet in there because everyone's nervous. And I mean, you no matter how old you get, even if when you're a six year senior, fifth year, whatever freshman, you're going to be nervous going to that meeting. There's just something about it. It's just it's your first team meeting. Like that's let's get everything on the roll, but. I remember Coach Hootin, we were talking about everything else, I remember AD comes up, Coach Hootin starts talking, and it was just awesome to hear him just say, like, he's the hardest worker in the program, and just, he's earned this, and it was, he said my name for the scholarship, and I was just like, when he was going on about his works hard, all this stuff, like, me as a person, like, I'm thinking it's another one of my teammates, like, I don't like to think it was myself, but I was As soon as he said my name, it was like, wow, man, like all that hard work you put in, like you did it. But as you as you get on, though, like as, as I got the scholarship, I also held that mindset of, hey, you're still a walk on. Like you still have to work. Like there's kids coming in after you that are going to try to take your spot. And that's part of it. I mean, as when I was a, like I was a junior, I remember thinking, OK, you're starting now. But there is a junior in high school right now who's going to be coming for your spot here in two years. So <clears throat> you're not only training against the guy next to you, but you're training for the future too. However, I wouldn't say it's like i hate I hate the word competition at positions like i don't I don't like thinking of it as a competition because perfect example is Tua. do you remember the example Tua and Jalen when they played <clears throat> when they played together like that. That, I mean if you have a if you're a teammate you're learning from that guy you're picking his brain and the the best your team is at when you're both going at when you're both playing well because then you have more options for as a coach
0: I mean yeah the way you ended the, the way you summarized it at the end is the perfect example of what college baseball is I mean you're training to you know even though you're trying to help your teammate get better, you're still trying to beat him out in the process and not only that but you also have to remember, hey, they're bringing in guys that are trying to replace you. I mean, that's the big thing about college baseball. And, you know, it's not the fact that the coaches might, you know, the coaches don't like you. It's the fact that they have to keep the program strong. I mean, that's how they keep money on the table, you know. And that's the number one thing that I learned. And I remember one of the most, uh, I guess, humbling things was walking into uh, my coach's office before I left uh, when I was cleaning out my locker because of this whole coronavirus stuff. But I remember looking at the the prospect board and I look up and I see for the first all first three prospects that he's got. The top three are all first baseman. I'm like, dang, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, work really, really hard this summer. And now I know that or when I was talking to the first baseman currently, who's a senior, he's going to come back, which I'm really excited for because I love the dude to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, then, you know. But again, I mean, that's college baseball, you know, you got to prepare, you got to train still doesn't mean that I can't try and beat him out. But, you know, of course, you with never the whole know, seniority thing. it's it's very, very hard. But I mean, hey, you look at the whole Tom Brady story. That's the one thing I always relate to, um, because, I mean, he came in and beat out Drew Bledsoe and all the backups that they try that tried to replace him. Um, exactly. So that's one thing that I always look back at. Um, but let's go into uh, this current season of uh, Henderson State Baseball. Of course, you did get injured, though. Um, So talk to me about that and then kind of how the season played out for the team as a whole.
1: So got back first week of January, and everything's going smooth. uh, Our schedule was kind of weird this year. We usually start in the first week of February, but we were starting at the end of January. So I actually hadn't had a hit all fall. or Not all fall, I'm sorry since we've been back in January so this is my first hit back I get a nice little line drive single over the shortstop's head I feel good like okay first hit like you said first hit out of the way now let's go play baseball whatever and we're in an inner squad and I remember the kid our pitcher bounces the ball so it was a dirt ball and I tried to get the I tried to get second and I was out man I was out but my problem was I slid late hit the bag straight in late my foot hits, my foot gets stuck, oh, my cleat gets stuck under the bag, and I remember just being stuck, like, okay, like, what's going on, like, and I try yanking, like, wiggle, wiggle, and I just remember hearing a pop, and I was like, oh, no, that's not good, so then I finally get out, and my best friend is right there, and he goes, hey, man, get up, get up, get up, and I was like, and dude, I can't get up, like, I literally cannot stand on this right now. And I remember our assistant coach put his arms around me and he was like, all right, let's try walking on it. Now we're trying to walk with a broken ankle. So best of luck there. And I fractured my fibula. I had uh, five screws and I actually had the same tightrope. They call it tightrope surgery, but Tua had it. And that was actually the big thing my uh, doctor said. He talked about Tua with it. He was like, listen, we could get you back and forth. Like They talked about how quick Tua came back from his ankle sprain. Well, they were like we could do the same but hey man that's the university of alabama or henderson state like we're more worried about your future right and that was what's, that was what's really cool about it all through that process
0: yeah and I then mean, every yeah every single i mean division is very very different division one you know they're training you to be an athlete you know um that's their number one goal they're trying to get you on the field as best or as quick as possible division two you look at it, it's a balance of both you know they want you on the field as fast as possible but they also want to you know, keep you for a future and get you just as a better person. And then you go to division three level. They're like, okay, if you're injured at all, you're not going back on the field until you are completely healthy. Um, I mean, heck I had a hamstring injury this year after getting my first hit, pulled it in the game that they had me at DH. And I was so mad, um, because thankfully I got to go on the next road trip and I was fine, but I was worried that was going to bother me for the entire season. But they're like, yeah, you should not be doing anything right now. And I was like, "Yeah, I just want to go play.
1: That's um, how I felt. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Never been hurt. And it's just like a lot of, I want to play. I want to play. I want to get back out there. But then you have to realize, you have to listen to your body. And then I feel like, though, when you like when you, when you get hurt, what I learned, I've never been hurt ever. I don't feel like I've ever been like severely injured in my career. And when I got this, I remember I was like, "All right, this is all new to me. Like, how do you? What do you do?" I watched a YouTube video, two was a YouTube video, and I remember him saying, "Like, it's about how like the amount of effort you want to do to get back." And I was like, "That makes sense. Like, what can I do to get back on track faster?" And it really, I thank the trainers at Henderson State. Like, they really, they did an unbelievable job. And even now, even after the corona virus hit, like they. We're still checking up on me, and I'm back now, running around, having fun. So that's, that's good, really that's awesome.
0: That's good. As a uh, team,
1: you want to know about the team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a team, this year we're really young, I'd say. We had a lot of young guys step up. Our second baseman from Sulphur Springs, he had an unbelievable year. Uh, our right fielder, who was a red shirt last year, he's a red shirt freshman now. Uh, Not a lot of our hitters have won player of the week. As a pitter, he came and won back-to-back weeks, and it was unbelievable. Like, as a fan, man, it was unbelievable to see this man just smacking baseballs everywhere around the diamond. Our pitching staff, we moved our closer to starter, and he did well. He did really well, but we started out slow. We went up to Oklahoma, played uh, University of Central Oklahoma, UCO. They beat us pretty well. We didn't play well that first weekend. But as the season went on, man, like, we played we played a tough Southern Arkansas, and we were close every game. They swept us, but we were close. But you knew, like, okay, like, that was the confidence boost we needed. We changed our lineup a little bit. We put the young kids in, and they started taking off, man. And just, you know, this coronavirus hit at the wrong time because I feel like they would have – that we were making a run like we had a lot of people we had people injured like myself others and we were all going to come back like we were going to be ready to go and then you know just other plans and you can't you can't complain about that
0: yeah i mean i i hear you on that especially like i felt you know the austin college team we had we were doing something special that year um started off seven two, you know something that we weren't really used to but um you know that's just something i mean Hey, you know, it, whatever happens you know, next year, I mean, it's, it's going to happen. And I think that it's great that they did give back the athletes, um, what's it called? Um, another year. Yeah, another year of uh, eligibility, which I think is awesome. Uh, though I want to talk to you about on the academic side of Henderson State. Let's talk about right now during this whole quarantine thing, how classes are going for you. Um, how are you adjusting to the online classes?
1: So... my undergrad was criminal justice and right now I'm working on masters in sports administration so I'm a big I love online courses man I'm a huge fan of them I don't know I just learn better in them and I mean let's be honest I get to sleep you don't have to go to class so you can't beat that I actually wrote my undergrad senior thesis paper on a student's perspective on online education and I love it so Personally, my master's classes were already online for, like, a whole semester. And the semester the semester I actually graduated from my undergrad, I had all online classes. So I was in a lot of online classes. So this transition to me wasn't that bad. But when I tell you it was different, like, I remember, I remember my roommate. My roommate usually had an 8 a.m., a 10 a.m., and a 12 and I usually had the apartment myself all morning. It was different once this all hit because everyone's everyone's in the same boat you're in now. Like you're taking online classes. I just think Well one thing I liked about Bishop Lynch was the E days they used to do. I think yeah, that's a fantastic idea. I was about to ask idea. you
0: about
1: that. How did like that I, affect I, you also? The Bishop Lynch ones?
0: Yeah, how'd that prepare you? I mean, just oh for man, now.
1: Like literally that was the best thing ever. I mean, usually schools would cancel. Like, that was the thing. Like, oh, we'll cancel and then we'll take away that Easter Monday day off or whatever it was. And then I remember learning what an E-Day is. The one thing I disliked was some teachers would give work that usually didn't give work. Oh, my. I I know know. how
0: that feels. I know they did. It was so annoying because they would give so much homework. And I'm like, you don't even assign stuff on a regular day.
1: Right. Like, that's what made no sense. But other than that, no, like I said, Bishop Winch is a college prep. Like they did a fantastic job of preparing me. I never thought I'd have E days in actual uh college, but then you get there and you have a whole E semester.
0: I know. I mean heck it might be that way in the fall too, depending how this all this whole thing goes. Exactly. Um, but let's go on to a personal side for you. Um something that I'm also into and I know that you are into is the graphing uh business there um just you know going for players autographs talk to me about uh let's do this what is your best piece of memorabilia what's your favorite story and then who is the best person that you've met to get an autograph from
1: okay my favorite piece is i have a derrick jeter sign jersey he's my favorite player a uh, guy gave it to me um free because he got a terrell owens jersey I'm, I was an eight year-old kid getting a dergee Jr. jersey something for free I was like, oh yeah I'm on top of the world this is amazing so that's my favorite piece uh, my favorite story um I have a lot I love going for the Latin guys now man so I actually messaged my Spanish professor in college I have I was really close with her like we were both good like I was, i really enjoyed her Spanish class. I actually wrote her an email, like, middle of summer. Didn't think I was going to get a response. And I was like, can you teach me how to say, uh, can I have your autograph in Spanish? And she literally wrote it out for me. So definitely one of my favorite stories was going for uh, Gleyber Torres. And I had a sign that said, "Puedes darme tu autografo, por favor. And (laughs) I learned a week later, the man speaks English. (laughs) I swear, man, I'm watching LV Network, Yankees Red Sox. And Glaber Tours is getting interviewed by uh, Tom Verducci in English. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but he still signed for me, so I felt like that was, that was really cool. But I, I mean, I would oh,
0: imagine, I mean, being a Latin America guy, you see that. You're like, all right, that's something. That's that, respect. Like, that Because that also shows that they're – put. you know, the fan put in work to figure that out. Exactly. Uh, I know so many guys, like, that I've seen that only speak like – they either speak little to no English and like everyone's like yelling at him and he just has no idea what to do. No idea what Uh, that means. But, and then talk to me about kind of what your favorite uh, player who you've ever met. Because like there's always that awesome story like you just said with the whole sign, the best piece, but then there's always that one player that you've had an encounter with that is like the best player that you ever have
1: gotten. Definitely Mike Trout, man. When I got Mike Trout, I felt like I was, my dad, my parents told me if I skipped Bishop Lynch homecoming my sophomore year and didn't go, and just didn't go at all, instead so they would take me to the Rangers and Angels game, and this is Trout's rookie year. Which, to be so honest, I, is
0: not much of a choice, because the BL homecomings were not the best.
1: <laughs> I went to two homecomings, my freshman year and my senior year, and nope, I've, I, I'm glad I went to the Rangers and Angels game instead, yeah. because... I remember kind of the same thing. I Had a sign from Mike Trout. Mike, will you please sign my ball? And I remember him came coming up to me, and there was a girl next to me. For the record, there was. We told you this yesterday, but there was a girl next to me with uh, a sign that said it was her birthday, and like her only wish was to see Mike Trout or something.
0: Well, she for did get record. her wish. She saw Mike
1: Trout. That see, that's why I thought like that's <laughs> she got her wish now. I had a sign too. Let's try to get my wish, <laughs> and sure enough, man, he comes up to me. He throwing the ball, throwing the pen. He signs, gives it back, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, that was the Mike. That's Mike Trout. Like that was really cool." And that summer too, I actually saw uh, I saw Harper in D.C. and this was his first year getting called up, so it was kind of really cool to be able to witness his rookie year and then Trout's rookie year and then finally I was able to complete I call them the little rookie trio from that year is because Machado came up too that yeah. year. And so I got Machado my dad actually got me Machado 2 or 3 years ago because I wasn't paying attention and somehow he snuck his arm in and got Manny Machado for me and I was like oh but Yeah I was I standing on top I was on top of the uh, dugout at Globe Life like kind of cuz you know how things get chaotic there. Yes
0: they get very I'm on,
1: chaotic. I'm somehow on top of this thing, man. Like, I am on this thing. And I know where my dad's like, yo, my name is like Daniel, Daniel. And I'm like, look. He's like, I got it. And I was like, oh. So I literally stand up on the dugout and walk back down. And i was like, man, I'm good. Y'all can keep going crazy for Manny Machado. This is all I needed. And
0: I know he is a very, very tough guy to get to sign. I know he is yeah. very, very tough. And he's got, like, one of the smallest signatures in the world. I don't know oh, why, dude, it's he so got, small. why. it's
1: like so small. It's like an M.M.
0: Yeah, it really is. Um, and then finally let's talk about uh, before we get into uh, the sports side uh, let's talk about what's next for your journey because next year you're gonna go back as a six-year senior uh, play another season of baseball I would imagine and then afterwards kind of what's your plan
1: so like I said um, I'm getting my masters in sports administration which I've really enjoyed there that's one of my favorite programs definitely just I mean sports we love sports it's it's cool to see that side Um, after I finish this, I'm actually going to take, I'm planning on taking data science classes this fall and this spring. I'm trying to get a little certificate so I can finish four classes and I really want to take that and kind of either apply it into the criminal justice side or I'm either going to apply it to the sports administration side. But like I said yesterday, anything baseball, really, if I can get behind the scenes, like game day management, I would love to do that. If I could coach, I would love to do that. I would coach a Bishop Lynch. I told you yesterday, people told me. I would me.
0: too, definitely, yeah. It's
1: a beautiful school. Like It really is. And it's would? only
0: getting bigger. It's only getting bigger.
1: It's only getting better. But I'm really, I'm whatever the future holds, I'm going to try to get through this last year of baseball healthy, and then we'll go from there and get on.
0: That sounds good, man. All right. Well, we are going to take a very quick commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the latest and greatest in sports. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. The Max Danielson Show is proud to announce Gage's Granite as an official sponsor for the Saturday podcast. Gage's Granite is a family-run company operating nearby in the Dallas Metroplex. They offer custom granite, travertine, onyx, and marble countertops to homeowners and businesses since 2000. Give them a call today at 972-243-6097 or visit gage'sgranite.com or on Facebook and Twitter. You can also stop by the main showroom located at 2427 Glenda Lane in Dallas. Gage's Granite, a proud sponsor of the Max Danielson Show. Hey guys, this is Jason with Lacrosse Monkey. Are you looking for a place to shop for your next athletic season? Monkey Sports is here to help. Whether you're looking for baseball, hockey, or lacrosse gear, if you can dream it, we've got it. We provide both the latest and best on the market equipment for your athlete. Stop by and visit us at 105 West Bethany Drive, right off of US 75 and Allen. Monkey Sports, a proud sponsor of the
1: Max Danielson Show.
0: And welcome back to the Max Danielson Show. Where we left off, we were talking about Daniel's story, talking about where his journey got him from Bishop Lynch to now Henderson state and kind of his plans afterwards. And also talking about a little uh, side of his personal life. So now let's talk about the uh, professional sports side of news here. Uh, let's start first of all here with the new Orleans saints signing Jameis Winston to a deal. Very surprised that uh Jameis decided to go to new Orleans uh, with the fact that drew Brees is still going to be there. And I would imagine he could have still gotten a starting job for a lesser team.
1: No, I agree. Uh, I think it's a good move. When I, when I think of Jameis, I think Jameis is very talented, let's be honest. Last really last year is. He but gets a great arm. Very inconsistent. Very inconsistent, yes. And I think if he gets this year, if he takes this year serious, I mean, I've heard the Saints say Taysom Hill is the quarterback of the future, but what if Jameis can come in, learn under Drew Brees, like really take that serious? I mean, was Jameis a first pick? I like, uh, believe so yes to the Buccaneers so I mean he hasn't learned from anybody but I feel like if he can take that time under Drew Brees to develop as a quarterback learn more about the game he has weapons around just in case Drew Brees retires next year or the year after they could always say Jameis it's your turn to lead Taysom Hill you're staying at your position your multiple positions
0: Definitely. I mean, even so, what I heard from Jameis is that he got LASIK uh, eye surgery this year. So hopefully his vision improves and maybe that's the reason why he went 30 for 30. Uh, I remember it sucked having him as quarterback for my fantasy team because not only did he had keep me in the game, but he kept my opponent in the game.
1: Oh, man. There'd be times where he would drop so many points. It'd be awesome. And then I think it was... The last week was the championship. I was in championship, and Jameis decided, let's not throw yep, touchdowns. The I know. Exa- and that's... I was like, are you serious? And that's how I lost. And I was just like, you guys I kidding. beat
0: the guy in my league by 0. .4 points. And wow. And it was almost due to Jameis Winston blowing the game. Uh, but oh. let's go on. Also, uh, staying with NFL news here, something that really surprised me. Well, it does surprise me. It doesn't surprise me, considering where the guy lives, and he lives in the Metroplex here. That is the Dallas Cowboys signing Andy Dalton to a deal. Um, I mean, kind of like Jameis Winston. I mean, I think he still could have had a starter spot somewhere. But, you know, I I wonder – I don't know. I just don't understand why the Cowboys would want to go get a guy like Andy Dalton, especially with the fact that they have someone who they want as the future of their quarterback and then go get a guy who could probably replace him.
1: My thing is I think this is kind of a wake-up call for Dak. I think that's – that's what my parents said yesterday. I said Jerry's a smart businessman, Jerry Jones. He really
0: is. He really is a smart businessman. Makes
1: a lot of money. He he knows the game. So the one thing I think he's doing is Dak wants some money. He wants the big contract. But I think Jerry's going to play this game where he's going to sign Andy Dalton. Where hey, Dak, if you struggle, I'm not afraid to put Andy Dalton in there. Well, and they bet you they will play Andy Dalton at some point. I would but imagine they, they, they would. Do, yeah, they do have a lot of weapons. Like, I mean, the Cowboys do have a lot of weapons. Amari Cooper's back. CeeDee Lamb now. And, I mean, Andy Dalton's a vet. So, if Dak does struggle, why not put Andy Dalton in? Yeah, Never I mean, know where I can so, the
0: Cowboys had a great draft. You know, I'm not a Cowboy fan, but I can say that they had a pretty decent draft. Yes. Especially getting CeeDee Lamb to just fall to them. Which kind of made me mad considering the fact the Packers <laughs> didn't even draft a single wide receiver the entire draft. But, I'm not mad with the picks, but it's not what we needed as of now.
1: I got a question for you then. Yeah. Let me turn it on you. I know this is your podcast, but who was the quarterback they drafted?
0: Uh, Jordan Love.
1: So I don't know too much about football and big baseball guy. Why? Why did they go with Jordan Love? Is like Aaron Rodgers, is it almost that time? Or
0: You know, the, the weird thing about it is I'm in that same boat where I just don't get it. Because... I get the same scenario is kind of you know similar because both Favre and Rodgers were at the same age where another QB was drafted. When Favre was 36, they drafted Rodgers, and now that Rodgers is 36, they drafted Love. I have you no problem Rogers going for a quarterback, but the problem is there was a whole different scenario here. For Brett Favre, he was already saying that he was going to retire and that they need to get someone else, um, and Aaron Rodgers kind of just felled him. He was the number one guy, basically, and he just kept falling and falling and falling. And even so, on their draft board, they go back and say, all the guys on their draft board were taken except Rodgers. And they just took him there, and, I mean, that worked out really, really well for them. But you go to the scenario for Green Bay now, and it really did confuse me because it's nothing the fact that I have a problem with Jordan Love because, I mean, Jordan Love last season, sure, he had a a 17-interception season – but he also still had a brand new coaching staff and nine new starters on his team. So can't <laughs> really do much with that. And he also said, like, he felt like he was forcing balls more. Um, but the problem, the difference is, you know, R- Farr was looking to get out, but Rodgers is like, I mean, I still want to play with this team. I mean, I want to finish my career as a Green Bay Packer. And then to trade up for Jordan Love to move up four spots when I would imagine. No other of those teams were going to take Jordan Love in that scenario. No. I, I, It makes no sense to me, but I will say I do like the pick, but I don't like it for right now because okay. the Packers, I don't know why they did this. The first two rounds, they drafted the two best players, excluding Devontae Adams, the two best players on the team. They drafted a backup for Aaron Jones, even though they have Jamal Williams, who's a beast. Mm-hmm. and then you drafted the backup for um Aaron Rodgers. Now, the thing about it in today's game, it's the fact that quarterbacks nowadays, it's not like, you know, Aaron Rodgers who sat 3 to 4 years under Favre, you know, it's that these guys start right away and right. I mean Jordan Love for sure is going to sit for 2 years and then whenever the dead cuz for Rodgers' contract, the dead cap if they were to get rid of him is like I want to say this year it's like 30 million and the next year it's like 20 million and then in 2022 it drops to like 2 or 3 million. So if they wanted to get rid of him at that point, I think that would be the point where they do. But the fact that Aaron Rodgers, you know, wants to stay as a Packer. I want him to stay as a Packer cuz I love yeah. him to death. Um, but I understand what they want to do because they've had a franchise quarterback now for 30 years and they want to extend that to another 45 years. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think it's a great scenario for Jordan Love to look under um Aaron Rodgers because just the way that Aaron Rodgers is, he is probably the best overall quarterback in the NFL, just skill wise. Um He's not the greatest man. ever that goes to Tom Brady, of course. Um right. but I mean I think it's a great scenario for Jordan Love. I'm not fully I, I don't think it was the right pick, but I don't dislike the pick, you know. Okay. And that's kind of my summary of the Green Bay Packer draft don't dislike the players dislike the picks because they have i mean keep in mind one game away from us you know a super bowl appearance i remember um being at city limits in sherman and i was on a date that night um and i remember i got the seat like she was sitting um in front of me and i saw a tv so i was also watching the packers game and i was just getting so mad in and she's like what's wrong and i'm like my freaking Packers getting blown out here. It's not like I didn't expect that or anything, but like, damn, I didn't yeah. know it was going to be that bad. Right. So, I mean, all you need to do is fill in the spots of an inside uh, linebacker because now they lost Blake Martinez and of course wide receiver because all you got is Devonte Adams and right. not taking any offense to my guy, Alan uh, Lazard, who's an Iowa state guy who I loved in college because I'm a big Iowa state guy. Um, but you know, like, Aaron Rodgers is like, you know, we haven't picked a skill player in about 15 years. That'd be really, really cool. And good old Goot is just like, nah, we're just going to take your backup. Um, I mean, that's, it makes no sense to me, but it also does make sense in the long run.
1: I like that. That was a good summary.
0: Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about this. Um, This is kind of a very, very interesting thing that ESPN, I haven't personally gotten to watch it because I'm not staying up to 1 to 2 a.m. in the morning (laughs) to watch this. Uh, but I have heard what people have been saying about it, um, that being ESPN is now sh- starting to show uh, Korean baseball, which I personally think is a great idea. I want to hear your thoughts about that, um, because if it was I honestly should start recording these games because I would highly because re- I because I've seen some highlights and it's pretty good baseball still.
1: No, it's good baseball. I try to stay up. Like you said, they at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. But I remember I tried to stay up for opening day and they had a rain delay and that was my cue i'm going to bed but i mean like looking at the highlights and stuff it's what we need i mean uh eric Thames came out from the i think he's with the nationals now yeah but eric Thames came out and said he played in that league and it's just at least it's, it's something really for us it's a really competitive
0: to... league it really yeah, is yeah no it's,
1: those guys are fighting for their spots i mean those guys are talented and it's i mean it's an inter- it's interesting that they're doing it this way but it's baseball At least we get to see baseball. At least it's something.
0: Honestly, I wish ESPN would record the games and then post it later that night instead of doing it live at 1 or 2 a.m. for primetime TV. Because what else are you going to do during that time? I mean, I don't know, man. It's really, really strange. But let's go on to the next thing about baseball. Um, From uh, Trevor Plouffe, he was talking about um, that some sources related to him are saying that It is possible that they'll have a second spring training, um, I believe they're saying in June, and then try to get baseball back underway come July. What's your thoughts on that? Do you think it is possible, because it is going to be without fans, but do you think for the player safety that's going to be even remotely possible?
1: I would like to say yes. I think it's possible to start this league in June. Like, I mean, we got to keep doing the numbers. I mean, I guess I don't know the numbers in Korea. Maybe they can... I mean, we see how they're doing, but I think if you can start, if you can start these guys in June, like a little spring training, and you make opening day July 4th, 2020. Oh, that would be, that'd be kind of cool. Yep. That's how you get July back 4th spring
0: the tra- world. July 4th opening day would be so cool to watch. Why not?
1: Like, why not? Yeah. Okay, just, I mean, I think it's possible, but... It's gonna it's gonna be a lot of changes too. I mean, it's gonna be something. I mean, we have you ever seen the? You've probably seen the Orioles game where they had no fans. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. I mean, it's gonna. This whole situation is really weird. I think it would be. I think they can come back. I saw something. I read something before I got on today. But they said. Uh, I think the Yankees team doctor said that there could be an increase in Tommy John surgeries because of all of this.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely I mean, I imagine. Think I mean, there's some guys who, during this time, are trying to still train. So I definitely could see that. Uh, What's up? Oh, Go ahead. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, So the next thing I want to talk about here with baseball is uh, Trey Mancini uh, Mm -hmm. is not going to be returning this season, unfortunately, due to uh, him finding out he has stage three colon cancer, which really stinks because last year had a phenomenal year coming off a career season, uh, 291 batting average, 35 home runs, 97 RBIs, and was really, really helping the Orioles in that situation especially the fact that they're a rebuilding team. Right. And I mean, it really does stink for him. I mean, especially to go through that as a ball player. I mean, to be just one day, you know, you're feeling great. And then the next day it's like, you have cancer now. It's like, dang, like that's, yeah. I mean, it really does humble you at, you know, that's the one thing is like, again, like we were talking about earlier with buddy league. I mean, tomorrow was never
1: promised. Right. Right. No, and Trey Mancini, like you said, he's coming off that career year. He's an unbelievable player too. I mean, he's he's one of the only Orioles I know besides Chris Davis and them. But like now, Trey—that's that was Trey Mancini's team. Like that was the rebuild around, and then they had they have Adley Rutschman coming up soon, and so many more. But I think that's really a big blow for them. I mean, of course, like you said, they're a rebuild, but it's just going to make it that much sweeter when he comes back. Playing the game he loves. So I can't wait to see him back on the Diamond Moon.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, We're going to move into the second to last topic here with UFC 249 uh, being this weekend. Or they're going to try to be this weekend. Though I did read something that one fighter is not going to be fighting. Uh, That was, let me see here. uh, Ronaldo uh, Ronaldo, uh, Souza, after testing positive for coronavirus, he's not going to be competing for 249. Uh, but for the overall match, I mean, how do you think that's going to play out? Do you think it's, you know, cause I know a couple months ago they were trying to get it to work and then it fell through at the very last second. Right. So do you think that could, we could see a similar result or the, in that? Or do you really think that, I mean, cause this is going to be today if they really have it. Um, do you think that it could fall through today or do you think it's going to go on?
1: I think it's going to go on. I think it's what Dana, I read uh, somewhere Dana White said it needs to go on. Like this is like, it's been his goal to get this on for the fans because this is a time for the, if the UFC, there's no sports going on right now. The UFC could step up big time in a big way if they can, if this can actually go through and nice little fight card today. I saw, I was actually looked up some of the fights. I didn't know, uh, Bryce Mitchell was supposed to fight. Mm Mm-hmm. Who's uh the kid, he's he actually isn't from Cabot, Arkansas. That's where my girlfriend's from right now. Mm-hmm. And I always mess with her about this guy. She says she's never seen him in his life. Or seen her in seen seen him in her life. I wanna I wanna see the guy though. I know he yeah. loves the state of Arkansas. I don't know, I mean, I don't love the state of Arkansas like he does, but loves the state of Arkansas <laughs> and I wanna see him continue to win, so
0: I just uh oh. I just thought of something. I saw this on Twitter yesterday. I'm gonna sidetrack here a little bit. I saw you retweeted uh one of your girlfriend's tweets that said uh it was a Word document and it just had girlfriend of the month, yep. April twenty or uh, April twenty twenty, and it was yep. like this pa- <laughs> this PowerPoint template. I thought that I was like, that is the most Daniel thing I've ever seen. Oh in the yeah, world. man.
1: I, I remember I, be, I'm, I I'm made it say, in front of her.
0: I really I made better. it in front of
1: her and I was like, I'm gonna send you this one day when, when like we go and I have to go back to Garland. She was like, Okay. And I sent it and I said, Yeah, all right, I'm gonna make one. Like, here we go. And I made it for her and she that she definitely so enjoyed dope. it,
0: man. Oh man, I'm gonna have to steal that. I think that is an awesome oh, yeah, <laughs> my Go ahead.
1: I got, go ahead. No work side oh, needed either. Oh my
0: god, that's odd. Yeah, <laughs> work cited page too. Um <laughs> Let's talk about, there's going to be one more thing because I just thought about this too because we've been, I've been talking about it every single time we get on the show. Um, let's talk about The Last Dance with the whole Michael Jordan oh, documentary. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Because the last two episodes, um, I mean, I thought they were amazing. I thought the oh, last yeah. two episodes were probably the best ones so far.
1: No, um, I'm a big Dennis Rodman fan. I really like Dennis Rodman as a player. Uh, I mean... You know his hairstyle. You know his antics.
0: Strange-ass you know dude. He,
1: right. Very strange. Now, there's something I like. The one thing I like about him, though, is no matter how strange he was, he knew his role on his team. Right. He knew he had Jordan and Pippen. He knew he wasn't the main scorer. He was there to really defend Scotty and Jordan. Like If you were going to mess with them, you were going to face Rodman, who – I'm sorry, I wouldn't want to see Rodman anywhere because he's scared Especially like Rodman's scared. coming from the bad
0: boy Pistons of the 90s. I right. mean, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near a guy like
1: that. And then you add Horace's Grant or whatever. And Horace it's Grant, like yeah. yeah, Horace Grant. And it's like, oh, like, man, I'm not messing with Michael or Scotty because yeah. Michael's going to hoop on me.
0: And then but, you just dish it out to the corner and you got Steve Kerr there who's a freaking lethal yeah. sharpshooter.
1: I think it's really interesting, though, like just seeing that team develop. I never knew all the stuff about how uh, Phil Jackson was not liked there. I never knew that. Um, I never knew Scotty's contract was that low. It yeah. blows my mind. But, I mean, he took a pay cut. I'll say that. He took a I tremendous mean, he wanted pay to provide,
0: cut. He wanted to make sure that he provided for his family, so I totally respect that.
1: Yeah, no. That's, that's Scotty.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, though, the best part of that Definitely, or really, what really got reacted to on Twitter was the uh, the security guard there. He's become a really, really big <laughs> person now. Unfortunately, no, yeah. what I saw, he did pass away, I believe, earlier this year, which really stinks. But I Norman. mean, he really has became like this Twitter overnight sensation. Oh yeah,
1: is- man. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. That's one thing. Twitter can take any little thing and make it go crazy, and I think it's—I still think it's hilarious, man. I love it. Every oh. single
0: time there's a, a commercial in it, I'll just go right on Twitter. I'm like, all right, let's see what everyone's posting right now. Because exactly. once commercial break, no one posts during the thing. But once commercial no. hits, they're like, all right, we're posting everything.
1: You got to post my thoughts.
0: Exactly. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it here for today's episode of The Max Danielson Show. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. It's tradition. Uh, to, if you have anything else you want to say or if you want to plug anything in, go for it right now.
1: Oh, man. I want to say thank you for having me first. Also, hmm, I think it's something I can shout out. Shout out to the Buddy League. I know the season's not going on right now, but uh, when season starts going, you'll see it on social media at Buddy League on Facebook, on Twitter, Make sure if you're in the Dallas Metroplex, if you're in the Garland area, come out and volunteer with us. It would be a good time.
0: Heck of a promotion right there, Daniel, and I fully support that too. Uh, Thanks again, Daniel, for coming on.
1: Hey, thank you, Max.
0: All right, that is going to do it for today's episode. So I thank you for watching from myself, Max Danielson. And as always, have a pleasant good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening to you wherever or whenever you may be watching. Thanks, y'all, and we'll see you next episode.